Welcome to Sky's the Limit with your host, yours truly, Sky Estroff. Hey everyone, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of Sky's the Limit. I cannot believe that it's Tuesday, November 7th. This is episode 12 of our podcast. It's just wild how quickly like the past couple months have gone and it's it's so cool. I don't know. I feel like I'm in a time warp, but I'm also really grateful that this year has been going in the direction that it has. And I think I wanted to like hop on before I get into the interview here today because I just wanted to like talk through how special and cool this interview is to me. Um, so today I'm talking to Chef Marcus Samuelson. And if you're a food person, that name rings a bell, a pretty loud one at that. And if it doesn't, just do a quick Google search and you will see like 10 million results for Chef Marcus Samuelson. He has been somebody that's been in my radar and in on my channels and on the shows that I've watched for like so long. He's been a chop judge forever. I really felt connected to him when I first watched his Parts Unknown episode with Anthony Bourdain and they went to Ethiopia. And I've watched him on Ina Garten and even Selena Gomez's like, uh, what's it called? Chefs in the Kitchen show or it's whatever that her chef show. It might just be called like Selena and Chef and it's on HBO Max. But anyways, I've just seen his face and heard his story and seen his story play out on different shows in the past couple decades and I just saw this figure as like somebody who is so inspiring somebody I look up to somebody I think is just doing the most with his life and just really embracing life in all the ways and like I didn't ever think that he would be in my world enough for me to have access to him or like really even meet him or have a conversation so the fact that like this conversation has happened is a bit surreal to me and the fact that like I started this podcast just a couple of weeks ago and within the first week or two of me launching this show this opportunity presented itself to me I don't know it's just one of those moments where I'm just really freaking grateful and it's a reminder to everybody listening that when those things happen like it I don't know I don't I think it feels like a coincidence but the coincidence feels good and maybe that's just a a sign from the universe that you are where you're meant to be and I'm trying to take it as that because a lot of times I kind of question okay am I doing enough or am I in the right direction that I'm supposed to be going. Sometimes I get so caught up in the weeds of the stuff that feels like the most minutia that this world has to offer and I just feel so trapped in it sometimes. But the moments like this that happen where I get an opportunity that feels out of reach but also something I've really always wanted, that makes me feel like all the minutia is kind of worth it and it's a reminder that the path is ahead. So I hope that makes sense to you and like can apply to you in some way. Maybe at the very least, just like hearing that today, maybe you listening to this episode right here, right now can allow you to have that thought that like, if you think something's out of reach, maybe it's really not. Maybe 
it's just waiting for that right moment for that to be in your world. So that's kind of how I'm feeling approaching this episode with Chef Marcus Samuelson. I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of cool. I'm just so excited for you guys to hear the interactions that we have and just how much energy he exudes in an interview with somebody that he's only met one time. It's crazy. I just, it just shows why he is who he is. He, he has the energy, he has the optimism, and he has the enthusiasm, and I just admire him so much. So I hope that that comes through for y'all in this interview, and I also just want to give a humongous shout out to Kaylee and Caroline and Mia over at National Peanut Board for hooking us up, and I just really appreciate that so much, and um you know, I, I love peanuts and I love the national peanut board. So get on board with the best nut in the game, a peanut, you know? Um, I, I also have to say too, that, um, chef Marcus Samuelson did a dinner in Atlanta at his restaurant, Marcus bar and grill. It's over, it's over near where like, um, Steve, it's Edgewood area. It's, I forget which exact road because like, as much as I know where places are, I kind of recognize things by landmarks and not by roads. So no idea which road it's on. It is in Edgewood and it's um, a very cute spot, Marcus Bar and Grill. Very funky, eclectic, cool, but also a ton of warmth to the space. And it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's really like, I, I've seen some pieces about this and I completely agree that Chef Marcus actually cared what Atlanta thought of his restaurant he didn't want to just come in and be like I'm a celebrity like come to my restaurant like he cared about that personalization of his space and it really it really comes through and the food is excellent I got to enjoy like this peanut inspired menu with things like a peanut butter old-fashioned and peanut chicken and waffles and um peanut butter sorbet and just really 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 good menu really great food the staff there was incredible so warm and I also just want to say that like chef Marcus Samuelson was there and went up to every single person and approached to make sure everybody was having a good time and I don't care if you're celebrity or not that type of hospitality is just it's hard to come by and it's so appreciated. So I really appreciated that in his restaurant and definitely recommend going to Marcus Bar and Grill in Edgewood. And one day I'll look up the road that the restaurant is located on, but it's very Googleable. Anyways, I just wanted to give you all that background on everything leading into this interview, but I'm so excited for you to hear this exchange. And I hope this just is that moment of inspiration. Like I don't really listen to my interviews over again but this is the one that I think I'm gonna re-listen to because it made me feel so good that this could be a possibility and I just hope that it comes through for y'all too and yeah that that's pretty much the cool stuff and then also there's so much more about Chef Marcus Samuelson that you could know so if this is like your introduction to who he is I totally encourage you to look into his episode with Anthony Bourdain on Parts Unknown, watch his episode with Ina Garten, but the Anthony Bourdain Ethiopia episode is like, that's really prime, 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 prime TV. Um, One of my favorite episodes of Anthony Bourdain that I've watched. So 
I definitely recommend that if this is your starting point. But without further ado, thank you again for listening. And here's my interview with Chef Marcus Samuelson. Do you want a dentist that actually spends time getting to know you and your needs? A practice that not only provides regular cleanings, but also excels in straightening teeth, replacing missing teeth, and helping highly anxious patients? Peach Dental is a family-owned practice that does just that. If you're looking for an elevated dental experience, join me at Peach Dental. It's where I go to keep my teeth healthy. Dr. Resnick is offering a special discount for Sky's the Limit listeners. Get 15% off teeth whitening and a 10% discount off of their office membership plan. Visit peachdentalatl.com to learn more and book your appointment. Again, that's peachdentalatl.com. Okay, Chef Marcus Samuelson, I just want to start by saying that it is such a pleasure to have chance to speak with you like you have been a familiar face voice in the industry voice in cooking since i became obsessed with food and cooking and chefs in the early 2000s you've won eight james beard awards you were the youngest person to receive a three-star review from the new york times you've cooked for a president you've written multiple books You've hosted and guested on so many shows. You've traveled the world. You've given back. You've started your own family. And like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. So I know this is a loaded question to start out, but like, is there anything else that you're trying to add to your resume or how does that hit home for you? Does that even feel like you did all of those things that I just mentioned? Well, First of all, what an intro. I'm super, super excited to be on your podcast. And thank you for having me. And you realize when you mention all those things that you didn't do anything on yourself, by yeah. yourself. Like you, for me, there's always been beginning of my career, great mentors, great leaders that kind of guided me through this process. Yeah. But I've always been curious and passionate about food and knew that I could add value in a kitchen. Yes. Whether I was working in France or working in Atlanta or working in New York. So with that sort of approach, deeply passionate about food and, and loving working with people, I yeah. feel like I've just been on a journey that I really enjoyed and I feel privileged to be part of the food world uh, in multiple countries and multiple places because the people around food in general are just mm-hmm. great people. Yes. And the people like you who have found their path by way of food or they've found their connection point to other people in this human world through food it's it's a pretty special place no i mean i say that often food really saved me i got opportunity to fall in love and be part of kitchens Mm -hmm. and from some people it was a scary place for me it was just like i love this the, the the noise the passion the high level of energy and uh you know it's, it suited me and it was what I needed. I, I got a lot of friends, mentors, but also a lot of discipline that I needed at that early age uh, of my career. Yeah. You're one of those people that it's like, you don't just eat the orange, you like squeeze the whole juice out of the orange. It seems like any opportunity that's been in front of you that's felt mm-hmm. connected to you through food, you've just squeezed everything out of. Is that accurate to say? 
Yeah, don't sleep on the orange peel though, because I, <laughs> then you get even more. So I would say, because my grandma would be like, "No, we're using that as well." So and she no was food me. waste, not at all. No food waste. Yeah. yeah, well, and that that also is so defining of you as a person and as a public presence too. It's that. Yeah, okay, we all think squeeze the orange, but there's even more. There's another layer that we can un unpack there. And you see that. You are that eye for more people to see what's bigger for everybody else. Um, but going to more of a special place in my heart, and now it's a special place in your heart, is Atlanta. You open Marcus Bar and Grill in Atlanta. And the coolest thing about it is like, other chefs, other public presences have tried to open restaurants in Atlanta, but they have not connected with who we are as a people in this city. And in every review I've read for Marcus Bar and Grill, and in my experience of going to the restaurants or going to the restaurant, it's been it's been mirrored. Like we feel like your restaurant is reflective of who we are here as Atlantans. So I just want to learn a little bit more about how you felt connected to Atlanta and how Marcus Bar and Grill sure. found its home here. Well, Atlanta has been a city that I cooked in many times and done events here. And I, it always spoke to me. And, and I feel like as the city is sort of, music is such a big part of my life. Yeah. Red Rooster, we, we yeah. have you know, tons of musicians coming through and working, and working playing there. So I felt like Atlanta would be a perfect place to set up uh, a restaurant. And, and then when the pandemic hit, obviously everything stopped uh, for a while. Mm -hmm. And then post pandemic, I was like, you know what, now might be the perfect time. And and then knowing that we were looking and knowing that we were talking about it, I started really to think about, you know, what if, what would that culture, what would the place look like? And actually podcast was a big when I couldn't travel, it was a big help. You know, I started wow. listening to interviews about Dallas Austin and Jermaine Dupree and like how sort of that 90s generation of producers saw Atlanta and how they engaged in Atlanta. And it was really through, you know, listening to Jermaine and listening to the Welcome music. to Atlanta where the players play. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and just like having like deep respect and love for the city and figuring out, okay, what's our take on this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and how can we sort of celebrate both comfort, but also up at the same time. And yeah. knew that, you know, being part of the fourth ward would be would be fun and interesting and, and meaningful to create jobs there. So it was just two years of research and just um, thinking about what would matter. So, you know, Cascade and the roller skating culture became a big part of that. And of course, records, not today, of course, when we get music on, you know, on all the different platforms, but that idea of getting a record, you know, flipping it, looking at the pictures, reading, learning. I learned English really by listening to like Stevie and Prince and Michael and stuff like that. So those sort of kind of retro moments was a moment for me that I, I knew I wanted to upload. And I'm friends with uh, L.A. Reed, so I spoke to Erica's wife a lot about, because she went to school here. It's like, Erica, what, what was it like? And she kind of like, this is what Atlanta's like. And mm -hmm. it was just having those conversations, you know? Yeah. Well, I think giving the time and attention to the people who 
are representative of Atlanta in that way and asking those questions and getting a real feel and then finding your genuine connection. I mean, that, there's no better process into seeing what could be a success in Atlanta, in my opinion. And respecting the city, you know, Atlanta's a world-class city, so you can't just come with your idea and this is what it's going to be and then I'm out. You have to actually engage, you know, yes. as chefs. For me, the blessing has not been just the process of opening a restaurant. The joy is to open it and meet your guests, then meet your chefs, then meet the team. And like, no, this is how we want to do it. So that's when the push and pull really starts. And that's when you can engage and create something that is that works, not just, I've read a lot of things, chefs came and they opened and then they had to close. Yep. And that's not um, something that anyone wants to sort of celebrate, but I, I, I want it to be really meaningful and spend time and learn. Definitely. And I think, I think that also your approach in the kitchen space too, even like coming to your restaurant last night and watching you in multiple different outlets, which not trying to make it sound weird that I've watched you on multiple shows throughout life. And even just recently, I was um, rewatching your um, Selena and Chef episode and stuff like that. Like you, you've honed in a craft for teaching in the kitchen too. So, and that teaching layer adds so much that you're not just a figurehead for any project that you're putting in place. You actually are connecting with all of the layers that make up a successful restaurant is what it seems like to me. Yeah, you gotta dig it. I love it. I mean, I love that, I, you know, restaurant hospitality, it's a very unique workplace, right? Cause it's where the guests should be entertained and forget about, don't do the thing, we take care of you. It's not like a regular office, right? There's alcohol there, there's music. Yes. So the people that are drawn to the restaurant to work in it are just these incredible special people that might be on their way to somewhere else, right? Yeah. They might go through college or they might go thinking about, you know, applying to law school, whatever. It's a bridge uh, situation where people are great. They just want to be guided and, and want to be part of something that feels special. And then they can take that experience and apply it to starting their own podcast or whatever they want to do, right? Totally. So I just think that that's a magical moment and I, I just enjoy it so much and feel very lucky that I worked for a long time, but I never felt I went, I had a job, right? Like this yeah. is, I wake up, I go to work with that passion. And then when you can do that, you can generally, my grandmother, you know, very different generation, but she, no one had never asked her if she liked her job. And she asked me one day, she's like, why is it so important for you to like your job? No one has ever asked me if I like my job. <laughs> and I, in the beginning, I couldn't even answer it, but I was like, well, because I want to enjoy what I'm doing. And that's really something I've thought a lot about. And if I'm not enjoying it, I shouldn't be doing it. And that's really uh, the core of how I get up every day and try to push and involve and get better, you know? Yeah. But it's a whole tribe. Like I, again, no one that runs a restaurant does anything on their own. There's a whole team and a, a big shout out to the Marcus B&G team because they work really hard and pushes and, and improves me and improves the restaurant every day. Totally. And I think what you're saying too is that 
it's kind of a domino effect of empowerment because I was even witnessing last night with some of the chef demos. It was like you were giving others that opportunity to showcase their excitement in the kitchen and their knowledge in the space. And for them to be able to work with you and to feel like if they work hard, they can have that access and opportunity. I think it's just a beautiful thing. Well, thank you for seeing that. I mean, I, I just love everyone. I remember as a young kid supporting my chef and one day he, he said like, hey, you finish up the last five minutes and for him it was nothing. But for those those five minutes for me, it was like, wow, I'm doing this. Right? <laughs> that young bartender that you saw last night or those young cooks like, you know, in, in 10 years, hopefully they own their own place and do their own thing. And, and it's all about learning in front of people. And that's what I love. By the way, you went to our pop up last night. You went to our peanut pop up last yes. night. So you know that we're gonna we're gonna have the pop up for a whole week. But those those moments, it's five minutes for chefs, but it's actually a career builder for that person, right? Mm-hmm. It might be the first time they're in front of people, and and you got to look up, but not just looking at down and you have your cutting board. So so you never know when someone's gonna uh, when the confidence gonna get built and. And for me, I remember those moments and I try to sort of pass that on to my team uh, as they truly can. Our restaurant, the bar and the kitchen is so open. So you are in front of guests constantly and, and talking about yes. them. Just like you're on stage and you got to engage with the guest. Uh, and that's, that's what makes the energy in the room uh, so important. Yes. And it's that foundational practice that's making everybody come in and feel like they're a part of that energy too. And I think that kind of circles back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I'd imagine that is the energy that keeps you going and keep thriving and keep sharing more with this world in the form of food because you're, like you said, you're doing something every day that doesn't feel like a job, but you're also connecting with people and seeing them grow and thrive on the other side of that. Um, I think that's well, two parts of it. You know, part of it is watching the growth, right? Watching the buster become a server, watching the server become, you know, realizing whatever goals they want to do, right? That journey is very, very exciting for a chef. Watching a young prep cook become a line cook, et cetera, some chef and so on. So you're part of that, right? And that's the path that helped me. And then you watch the guests and, and, and guests decide with their feet. People are not coming back. They might not be rude, but they told you that it wasn't worth the trip. So we think about that constantly. We're obsessed about that. How can we create a better guest experience? And it talks, takes a lot of humility, a lot of back and forth. And as a chef, you might have this one idea, but you know, if guests are telling you something else. Guess what? The guest is going to win. You know. By the way, that make, makes me think about what, on the peanut menu yesterday. What was your favorite? Ooh, put me on the hot seat. I really loved everything. Loved the cornbread with the peanuts that I got in the beginning. Yes. It was so good. So cakey. And yes. I actually ordered the peanut butter smoked cauliflower, and yes. it wasn't too smoky. It was really delicious and so unique. Yeah. I loved it. No, that, that's great. I mean, that's why we had vegetarian options on, on all the uh, items last night. We had uh, that beautiful chicken and waffle, but we also had peanuts with that, that mushroom. The cauliflower eats like a steak, and I think that's the beauty about peanuts. It's it's so versatile, right? So it works so. We had it in the desserts. We had it in, of course, in 
vegan, you know, chicken and waffle, but then also on that beautiful uh, roasted uh, cauliflower steak. So that's great. I thought you would say that the old fashioned because the bourbon was good too. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you were talking about drinks or food or both, but that peanut butter old fashioned was so good. It had the peanuts on the rim and it was pretty smooth. I'll say that it definitely was cool as ice. It had that nice yeah. ice cube in yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was just it was a really creative take on an old fashioned. And like that being said, you took this dinner from something where you could sprinkle some peanuts and use them in a versatile way but you actually incorporated them so heavily in all the dishes in a way that made us experiment with the flavors and enjoy something new with every bite. It just was such a beautiful showcase of the peanut. And also there was peanut decor everywhere. It was this mix of a retro vibe plus yeah. peanut. It was super no, cool. That, that's, no, that's the space. I mean, classic comfort, uh, really that retro vibe. We had even our jukebox up yesterday. So it was a lot of fun, but you know, and, and that's really what it's about, right? Making sure people have a great time. It has to be delicious. And I, I don't know a lot of ingredients that is like peanut that you can really use it from the bourbon, right? All the way to the great, to the, to the banana peanut mousse. It's not a lot of other ingredients that you can actually utilize and not just like put a little bit of it in. We actually incorporated the peanuts in all these different places. And it was a lot of fun. It really was so much fun. And whenever you're ending a meal with like a peanut brittle pudding with candied popcorn, candied peanuts and banana on it, like it's sure to be a good time. Yeah. And I know you're a busy man and you've got places to go, but I think that we should end on a this or that food edition. I curated some questions specifically for you. So first on my list of this or that, you just give me your hot takes, gravlax or pickled herring. <laughs> I love that. I'll probably say the Gravlax. Okay, you definitely knew your answer there. You had that hot take ready. All right, next one, harder. Swedish meatballs or a burger? Meatballs, my grandmother would not. She would not allow me to say burger. I'm sorry. I'll get watching it from above. She's like, Marcus, you know the answer to that. Yeah, we're not going to yeah. disappoint grandma today. Um, okay, next one is miso or truffle. Oh, miso and all day, every day, miso. Good job, by <laughs> the way. You. Thank you. Yeah, miso with some peanuts on top. <laughs> yes, great call, miso with some peanuts on top. Speaking of that, my last hot take for you is peanut related. Are you here for boiled yes. peanuts or roasted peanuts? Which is your preference? I love some boiled peanuts. It's just so delicious. It's so, I mean, it makes me think about the sauce and, I actually think about my dear friend, the Lee Brothers, they were the ones who introduced it to me. They're from yeah. Charleston, and they were the ones who introduced it to me. They're amazing. And they just sent me a package. You, you're going to like this. And I loved it. So <laughs> That's a great gift idea. I need to actually put that on my mm -hmm. gift list for this year. That would be great. Well, thank you so much, Chef Marcus. I really appreciate you being here and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thank you so much, Scott. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode of Sky's the Limit, available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow along in the meantime on Instagram at sky.estroff or sky-estroff.com. See you next week. <laughs>